We've been doing a series on the Beatitudes, which uh, some commentators uh, say are the, the eight commandments of the New Testament. And uh, we're up to our final one today, so today will be the last message in this series. So let's just read uh, the last Beatitude to you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So this last uh, beatitude is about persecution. And Jesus is saying in the same way that the prophets were persecuted, in the same way that I have been persecuted, expect to be persecuted. Now it's very interesting with these beatitudes because each of them describes a character or behaviour and each has a blessing that goes with it. And the blessing that goes with this beatitude is the same as the blessing that went with the first beatitude. So the first beatitude was blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This last beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we're going to ask why is the blessing the same when it's completely different in each of the other beatitudes? Maybe Jesus forgot what to say and so he repeated himself. Do you think that's what happened? No. Commentators tend to think that it's completing the circle and that all of the Beatitudes will actually result in persecution. And that's quite ironic, isn't it? That for being humble, for, for showing mercy, for being a peacemaker, that will actually generate persecution. It, it just doesn't make sense. It's hard to come to terms with being mistreated for doing the right thing. It's a, it's a paradox to say that persecution is a blessing because it's a blessing that most people don't want. Is Jesus really serious when he says this? Maybe these guys have been sitting up there at the top of the mount for too long. Maybe they're getting the wrong idea about what following Jesus is really all about. Maybe they're thinking that discipleship is all about mountaintop experiences. You know, we go to one conference after another. We have amazing times of worship. We have close communion with Christ sensational teaching day after day without having to get involved with the difficult people in the village down there at the bottom of the mountain. 
It's easy to be always learning, but never applying what we learn. So Jesus is not saying, don't be surprised if suffering comes. He's saying, be surprised if it doesn't. People will abuse us, criticise us, persecute us, treat us unfairly because of Jesus. In 1 John 4 verse 3 it tells us that there is an antichrist spirit in the world. Persecution is the result of a clash between two values systems, the kingdom of heaven and Satan's kingdom. We won't always be thanked for showing mercy or for trying to bring peace to a difficult situation. Instead, we'll be opposed, insulted and persecuted because of the goodness that we stand for and because of the Christ in whom we identify. Can you think of a time when you have been insulted because of your faith in Jesus Christ? I remember when I was at high school, there was a a guy who became a Christian and he had his school bag and in big letters on his school bag it had written, Jesus loves you. And people used to give this guy a hard time. They'd steal his bag and they'd tip it upside down and tip everything out of it. Just because he was a believer in Jesus, he was given a difficult time by these people. So when that happens to us, we're not to retaliate. We're not to sulk and feel sorry for ourselves. Instead, we're exhorted to rejoice and be glad because great will be our reward in heaven. You know, there's a lot of people that actually bring criticism on themselves. Ray Pritchard wrote the following. He says, if you don't use deodorant, don't claim persecution because no one wants to sit next to you at work. If you are rude to your employees or disrespectful of your boss, don't be surprised if you find yourself ostracised. Some of us may think that we're being persecuted for, for righteous reasons, when it may be because we're arrogant and proud, or we're stubborn, irritating people. We can provoke angry reactions by pushing our extreme views on things when people aren't ready to hear them, or they're our views rather than God's views. Some people are hypercritical. They're always complaining. And people don't like being around people like that. There's other people that take offence very easily and behave unwisely. Remember that church in Florida in the USA where they burned the Quran and, and sacred Islamic writings. That was incredibly provocative, provocative and it wasn't living according to the Beatitudes. In Baghdad there is St Andrew's St. George's Anglican Church and it's been bombed five times in the last ten years. Canon Andrew White 
wrote the book Bishop of Baghdad and he welcomes hundreds of Iraqi Christians to services each week. Despite this hatred and suffering, his church continues to grow. Look at the next photo. In this picture, we'll come in a minute, another photo. Okay, that's a photo of hundreds of Muslims praying to Allah during their prayer call. The people standing around them with their hands up are Christians. They're protecting their fellow Muslim citizens from attack. This happened a month after 23 Coptic Christians were killed in a bombing by Muslim extremists in Alexandria in Egypt. Then some Muslims guarded the Coptic churches while the Christians worshipped. And then on Fridays, Christians guarded the mosques while the Muslims prayed. There's two main Muslim groups, the, the Shia uh, and um, Sunni, and they don't get on with each other. And they're just as likely to bomb the other's mosque as they are to bomb a Christian church. So Jesus calls us to embrace forgiveness as a radical alternative to violence. Violence leads to retaliation and it escalates. Respectful conversation can lead to healthy relationships. Christianity and Judaism have coexisted for 2,000 years. Christianity and Islam have coexisted for 14 centuries. Jews, Christians and Muslims can learn to coexist in peace. We tend to think that persecution happened mainly in ancient times, but records show that more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than all the previous centuries combined, dating back to Jesus Christ. It's interesting that New Zealand's legal system was originally based on the Judeo-Christian ethic. But today, these values are being rejected by many. The latest census shows that less than 50% of the population of New Zealand now regard themselves as Christian. The views of minority faiths such as Baha'i and Islam are respected in this country. But people openly discredit and disrespect the biblical viewpoint and use the name of Jesus disrespectfully as a swear word. You know, this is a serious thing. There's the saying, not on my watch. This country is deteriorating on our watch. We are the gatekeepers of the kingdom. And all around us we are seeing Christian values trampled underfoot, worldly values replacing them. What can we do about it? What, it's interesting to look at census statistics. What change has happened in total? Are less than 50% of the people in this town Christian these days? How do we 
stand against that decline? What can we do to see God's kingdom come, God's will done in our town? Last year, I showed a photo of the Smith family who were friends of ours in Azerbaijan. They were American missionaries to Georgia, but they were murdered. And that still happens in this day and age. But there's other more subtle and sophisticated ways of persecution that exist today. Things like treating Christians unfairly, denying them promotion in the workplace. Many of you will have heard of Richard Wormbrand, who was a Christian pastor in Romania during the communist era. He was arrested and sentenced to 25 years in prison for preaching the gospel. He wrote the book Tortured for Christ about his isolation in a dark underground prison cell. He kept sane by sleeping during the day and writing and delivering sermons at night time. He was forbidden to preach and he received severe beatings when he was caught. But he said in his book, a number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So it was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. So in our verse, our text for this beatitude, verse 11, it says, Rejoice and be glad, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. So when we are persecuted, instead of feeling sorry for ourselves, we can rejoice. Our destiny is to be overcomers who live from that place of victory. Romans 8 verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword? It's a terrible list, isn't it? It's terrifying to look at each of those things. But Paul bravely answers and says, No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is real, even when everything else is stripped away. The early Christians were confronted with a choice. They either had to trust Caesar or trust in Christ. They chose Christ and were labelled as disloyal and persecuted terribly. In Luke 6, verse 22, Jesus said, Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of me. And then in verse 12, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, who were before you. All right, that's the last verse of our text today. We're to rejoice. Persecution for the right reason is an indication that our faith is genuine. 
We're to rejoice that people can see Jesus in us. The early apostles were imprisoned for preaching the gospel. In Acts 5 verse 41, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. In those days, suffering was the badge of their courage and discipleship. It was an honour to suffer for Jesus. You were a real Christian if you were prepared to suffer. It's very easy to be a Christian in name, but are you prepared to suffer loss for that name? Suffering causes us to examine closely our life and our purpose for life. We're forced to lean on the Lord in ways that we've never done before. 1 Peter 5 verse 10 And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Our time on earth is a blank in comparison to eternity. One day we will be in heaven with the Lord forever and ever. Whatever we go through, whatever harm, hurt, persecution we endure, in the wider scheme of things, is minimal. So let's conclude with a few questions. Have you identified yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ. Have you been baptised? Often it involves persecution to be baptised. It's standing up in front of this world and saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I don't care what you think of me. I trust my life to Jesus Christ. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Are you confident about sharing your faith about Jesus? Maybe we're not persecuted because people don't see Jesus in our lives. The greatest danger that faces the church today is comfort and apathy. And that's the reason why the number of Christians in this, in this country is declining. Because we're apathetic. Because we've got everything we need. We don't think that we need God. And so we push him to the side. Strength is developed by constant struggle against increasing degrees of resistance. Where there is no real resistance there can be no real strength. We're going to move into a time of communion. Jesus relates to our struggles. He came to earth to die and to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin. Jesus is on our side. When we feel lost and broken, he is there with us. I'd like to read Romans 5 verse 17. It says, for the, 
the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So that's saying, look, Adam rebelled against God and introduced sin into the world. But Jesus came and took the punishment for that sin, for our sin, so that we can be forgiven our sin and we can be restored into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 21, And just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because of Jesus, we can reign in life. Our destiny is to be overcomers who live our lives on this planet from that place of victory. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him have you received that promise are you concerned about what happens when this life ends people that know and love Jesus will spend eternity in the most awesome place with God forever and ever. And so today we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those of you that know and love Jesus as your personal saviour are invited to join us at this table where we take the bread which symbolises Jesus' body that was broken for us when he was whipped and nailed to that cross, and the wine, which speaks of Jesus' blood that was poured out, that flowed, that took the punishment for our sin. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we have a hope and a future. Lord, it's a privilege to suffer persecution for your name. It means that in most cases we're the real deal, that we are putting you first in, in our lives, that our love for you is greater than our fear of man. Lord, we thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. As we take the bread and the wine this morning, Lord, may we draw near to you, we thank you for your promise that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And Lord, just give us a fresh revelation of who you are and what you really mean to us. And Lord, may we do what we can to raise your name, to lift your standard, to share the gospel with those around us. Lord, we just thank you that we can celebrate with you in this way right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.